0: Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, where
1: we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madvi,
0: what did you get obsessed with this week?
1: This week, I've been thinking about the fact that this is our 51st episode. So we've been doing this for almost a year, and... Coincidentally, or not, as the case may be, it's also the one year anniversary since the WHO, not the band, the World Health Organization, declared a worldwide pandemic on March the 11th, 2020. We are very much a pandemic podcast, right? Because we started this podcast when there was nothing else to do and we kind of just wanted to, I guess, continue having conversations even in all this kind of isolation. We were not the only ones. According to ACAST, the open platform for hosting podcasts, they saw last year, between February and March, a 49% plus in people who registered new podcasts, simple casts as well they saw a 53% increase when the pandemic started as opposed to before in people kind of registering new podcasts. But we're still going, which is good. And I feel like it's been a really good year to have discussions since because of the coronavirus, a lot of things have come up and a lot of conversations have come up around social inequality, be that financial inequality, Black Lives Matter. Right now with the Sarah Everard murder in the UK... There's a lot about gender inequality, and with the shooting in Atlanta, there's a lot about women and hate crimes against Asian people as well. And all of this has gotten worse and bubbled up to the surface. And so I've been thinking about, yeah, the coronavirus, the conversations that we've had, and what a year it's been. What a surreal, weird year it's been when nothing happened,
0: but everything happened. I remember this time last year when we made the decision to close the office, we were all like, oh, in two, three weeks, we'll be back. This is just a short-term thing. Here we are a year later and we're coming up on lockdown number three in Germany or wave number three, as they call it. So it's been quite the year. Sometimes I think that when I think about coronavirus, there are moments when it almost doesn't seem real, not in a conspiracy theory way, but in the sense of a pandemic feels like something out of a movie. And We've been in this for a year now, but the concept is so abstract and horrifying that my mind almost stalls when thinking about it, because that's the only way I can really process it. Around the world, 120 million cases of coronavirus have been reported, and 2.6 million people have died from the virus. This is according to John Hopkins University. I mean, obviously it's real. I never want to doubt that it's real. But yeah, it almost seems like something out of a bad sci-fi horror film.
1: There are moments when I walk around and I'm just like in a mask and everyone's wearing these surgical masks. And
0: yeah, it's surreal. Or
1: you hear these announcements. Please keep your social distance. When you write a dystopian story, one of the things you think about is what would the announcements be like Mm in that 1984
0: way? When I hear those announcements, I just have a flash of, wow, the world's become so surreal in one year. I've been trying very hard not to take public transport, but every now and then I have to do it. And I had a moment last week where I was standing on the platform and everybody was wearing a mask. It just hit me how absolutely absurd and bizarre the world we're living in is right now. And I've also started having the super interesting thing where I'll be watching a movie or a TV show, something that's set way before the pandemic, And I'll start panicking because nobody's wearing a mask or nobody's social distancing. I'll get anxiety about that fact. And so I'm very curious to see how it's going to affect us when we come out of this. The effects of the coronavirus pandemic have been compared to the collective trauma experienced during a war. Also similar to the experiences of a natural disaster. So for example, people who were affected by Hurricane Katrina in 2005... People who are directly affected by the hurricane, in particular communities of color, the after effects in form of PTSD is still formed today. And in fact, it's estimated that 10 to 15% of the population will be suffering some form of PTSD from coronavirus in years to come. So I think none of us are okay. I think all of us are... It feels so silly to say I think all of us are anxious or depressed because yes, of course, we all are in fact... Studies have shown that the negative impacts on our mental health and well-being, such as difficulty sleeping, have gone up 36%, eating disorders 32%, increase in alcohol consumption or substance abuse 12%, and worsening chronic conditions have gone up 12%. So if you look at the statistics for example of adults reporting and I would like to just heavily emphasize here that this is just what people have reported right because obviously the actual numbers are going to be significantly higher that in June of 2019 it was reported that 11% of adults suffered from an anxiety disorder and or depressive disorder whereas in January 2021 It was reported that 41% of adults... Now, obviously, if you've ever tried to get any kind of mental health care in Germany, you know that it's absolutely difficult and ridiculous, so the number is probably significantly higher. And in fact, in young adults ages as 18 to 24, the reported symptoms of anxiety and or depression have gone up 56%. It's
1: interesting how you said that when you see a scene on TV where nobody's wearing a mask, it kind of gives you anxiety. Because we're all in this sort of state of heightened anxiety because we know that there's a threat out there, but there's a lot of uncertainty about what that threat is, where it comes from. So Aoife O'Donovan, who's an associate professor of psychiatry, says that the impact of this perceived threat and this uncertainty is experienced in the body. If we perceive a threat, cortisol mobilizes, you have a biological stress response. And the immune system is triggered, which increases the levels of inflammation, and it affects the function of the brain, making people more sensitive to threats and less sensitive to rewards. So it means that if you're looking at TV and you perceive a threat there, then your immune system is triggered, which is fine normally, but in this case, it's just a prolonged heightened state, because Mm -hmm. it's been for a year
0: now, which is not normal. This idea of returning to normal has really been preoccupying me recently, because I feel like we keep seeing people say, yeah, I can't wait for things to return to normal. But things are never going to go back to normal, not just because the way that the world was before coronavirus wasn't working properly. Obviously, coronavirus isn't going to change deep-rooted problems within our society and our systems. But even if they say that just 10 to 15% of the population is going to suffer from PTSD, 100% all of us are going to be suffering from some sort of repercussions from this global pandemic. Also, what you were saying about this threat, if there's a natural disaster, you can see it. If there's a war, you sort of feel the repercussions. But coronavirus is a really weird one because, like, of course, you when you're in the hospital, you're on the front lines, you can see the ramifications of it. But for, like, an everyday person, unless you know someone who's been in the hospital, it, yeah, it feels like this weird, invisible threat that's kind of, like, lurking in a way. And you, I think that that contributes to the anxiety more because it's not tangible in the way that some threats are.
1: And then the other thing that they outline in this Guardian article called Has COVID-19 Rewired Our Brains? This psychotherapist was saying that what she used to love was going to Pretz and standing in the queue in London to buy her sandwich because everyone was close, everyone was buying their sandwich, and everyone was going to go back to their offices and eat them at their desks. And it was kind of a group activity, even though nobody knew each other, but now when you go to buy a sandwich, everyone's keeping their distance and you're not in it together and it's the same with when you're walking down the street and then people cross the road to avoid you. It's a constant sort of rejection, a social rejection that we're experiencing that we're not really used to. So that is one layer that affects us. And then the other layer, of course, is the lack of, and we talked about it in the earlier episode way back at the beginning of the coronavirus, the lack of touch and our normal social sort of supports and interactions and things like that. So it has
0: like three layers to... The long-term effects I think we'll all be affected by that. The socializing thing is interesting because in that brief moment of time back last summer when restrictions were kind of loosened and we could see big bigger groups, not big groups but more people, I did have anxiety around meeting people and not in terms of coronavirus anxiety because that's obviously always there but in terms of actually talking to people you didn't know or spending time with a big group of people just like the social aspect of it, So it has really affected us. But I was genuinely, it was like, how do you talk to people you don't know? I think I've forgotten how to have small talk with a complete stranger you've just met. At our weekly check-in with this girl group that we're in, I asked the girls how they feel one year into coronavirus. And one of the common threads among their responses was they all miss things that I mean, obviously, we take things for granted, but one of the girls was saying she doesn't really enjoy spending time with her family that much, and the last year, she craved it so much, and there was another girl who said she hates clubbing, and all of a sudden, she has this, like, strong desire to go to a club, and one of my friends was telling me, like, oh, yeah, her boyfriend, he doesn't really like to travel, they've been meaning to go on a trip for the last three years, and they just haven't done it, and the other day, he was like, I want to get on a plane, I want to travel. It's triggering something in all of us, isn't it?
1: There was something about quite a few months ago, I think was it Qantas was offering these flights where you can go, get on a plane. To nowhere. Yes. And just sit there. Or did it fly and then come back to the airport, Mm -hmm. right? It just flew. And people paid for that. I also had a dream about going to the club the other day and I was super excited about it, but then I was really worried about how we're going to social distance. And I have no urge to go to a club normally, but now I kind of do.
0: I saw this meme recently where it read, One month pandemic, I miss seeing people going places and other concrete stuff. Six months into the pandemic, I miss abstract things, like the specific vibe inside coffee shops. Twelve months into the pandemic, my nostalgia, like the rest of me, has lost any recognizable sense of time. I miss Blockbuster. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was in so many Zoom calls. We did Zoom bingo night birthday calls, and now if one more person, I don't want to be mean, but I do not want to socialize on Zoom anymore. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, theater in St. Petersburg, they were doing free live stream of their shows, and I was watching it, and I went to the bookstore before it closed, and I bought all of these books, and I was so motivated. I signed up for French classes. I was going to do so many things, and as the pandemic has gone on, I love reading, and I've just been so unable to read recently. I don't want to watch any more theater shows online. But it's this weird dichotomy, isn't it, of on the one hand, I do not want to socialize with my friends over Zoom anymore, and I do not want to watch any more theater productions online, but at the same time, I'm having weird anxiety about socializing again, so how do we move forward from here where I don't want to do the activity online, but I'm also anxious about doing it in person?
1: We're stuck. We're all stuck. And there's this feeling of stuckness, too, at this point, because... Yeah, at the beginning, it was kind of fine. It was nice to have a little bit of a break anyway. We had a sense of purpose around it. One year in, wow. We were just watching together a video of Wuhan a year later. And the bars are open. People are going to bars. And it's really in stark contrast to how Wuhan was when they had a lockdown because they had the toughest lockdown in the world. And their PTSD must be massive because they didn't even know what was happening at all and then all of a sudden from one day to the next on january the 23rd they just shut the whole city down there were commuters who were just stuck in wuhan and who were living in car parks they had no idea what this disease was at least when it came to us we already had a lot of information and many months and there was a gradual build into it so they're kind of normal now Hmm. well i don't know if they're normal I think they probably have a lot of trauma.
0: Watching the video around Wuhan, there's also a very beautiful, aesthetically pleasing video from Nowness that was released on March 20th, 2020, where they show you images of this completely locked down city. And there's something so haunting about it, seeing this massive city just completely deserted. Not even deserted, everyone was just inside. It did make me realize how self-centered the West is because I was like, we've never heard of Wuhan before. There's so many cities we've never heard of because we're so self-involved. And it made me feel kind of bad for Wuhan because now it's infamous, isn't it? It's now got this reputation. It's a
1: very good publicity thing because when I was watching these images of Wuhan, I was like, wow, this is a massive metropolis and these roads and these bridges and these structures and the architecture and the lights. Looks fascinating. And it's probably one of the safest places to go right now in terms of coronavirus.
0: I mean, they've been put on the map for sure. I was in this one Guardian article. They were talking about this idea of the cuddle curtain, which is like a plastic curtain that you can cuddle someone through. And looking at it, you're just like, what world are we living in that you have to cuddle someone through plastic? It just feels so absurd. And this has been our reality for a year now. A year where nothing but everything has happened.
1: Yeah, it's interesting about the hugs because this psychotherapist in The Guardian article is saying that there's kind of a process of dehumanization going on. She says we're becoming a sort of non-person because masks render us mostly faceless. Hand sanitizer is a physical screen. We're now favoring these non-person clothes of like pajamas and tracksuits. So we're all just becoming estranged from each other and ourselves.
0: Yuko Nipoda who is a psychotherapist and a spokesperson for the UK Council for Psychotherapy, has said that chronic loneliness brought on by social isolation or lack of meaning in life during the pandemic is another major concern. Some people have involuntarily found themselves with fewer close connections in the age of social distancing and may find it challenging to rebuild their networks. Others deliberately withdrew from the outside world to feel a sense of safety and may have become resistant to increasing their social interaction in the future. When people experience stress in the outside world, they can detach themselves from that world. Once they experience this detachment, it may be difficult for them to come out into the world and socialize with others. This is not a BBC article. They then interview a young woman who lost a partner to suicide back in 2014. And she was saying that she has a constant fear of losing someone again. So through coronavirus, she's sort of re-experiencing this loss of a partner. But now it feels completely uncontrollable because now it's not, oh, I lost a partner to suicide. Now it's, at any moment, I could lose absolutely anyone I'm close to, to an invisible threat that I can't control.
1: Yeah, and one of the videos about Wuhan visiting it a year after... One of the guys that she says something along those lines. He says, I didn't really think there was such a thing as catastrophe. I just thought you could always navigate and we're kind of in control. But now I realize, hey, I have no control. And I think there's that feeling of having no control, especially when somebody dies, when you lose your business, your job, that all of this stuff just happened because of a virus is
0: very disempowering for a lot of people. Because if you... Taking control of your life is all well and good. If you lose things due to a pandemic, you're being stripped of your power, but not in a way that you can't control that. Because it's not, oh, you've fallen on hard times. This higher thing that you have no control over has disempowered you.
1: Yeah. And I also wonder, the other thing that I really wonder about and would be interested to see the long-term effects on is the effect on children who are growing up at this time. Because it's a really... Interesting time for their development.
0: I'm very curious to see. My nephew is going to be three in August. And I wonder in years to come if he's going to remember this. If it's going to register with him in any way, shape or form. Because to him it must seem great. Mom and dad are always home. I was reading though that... Even though we're coming up on the third wave in Germany and Germany is being embarrassingly slow and disorganized when it comes to vaccination.
1: There is another question about how long do we still have left?
0: In the pandemic or just in general?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of the pandemic. Because now we have new viruses coming up and the WHO did say something the other day about there's another year of this at least to go.
0: It's kind of a thing of... My mom was saying this. She said that to her, it feels like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And every time you feel like you've almost reached the light, the tunnel gets longer. I remember thinking the vaccine was going to be our big hope to getting out of this. And now I'm just like, well, Yen Chpan, get your shit together. You're doing a miserable job.
1: But in Wuhan,
0: the bars are open. So there's hope for all of us. They have artisan cocktail bars again. They're open. They look really good. So I want to go to an artisan cocktail bar or Wuhan or both. An artisan bar in Wuhan, obviously. (laughs) So on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person.
1: Thing one, if you are feeling a little anxious or depressed, a small change in your habit can be hugely effective. In this Guardian article, they mention that a researcher has shown that people who groom themselves more are less lonely. So get dressed
0: up, wear some perfume, spend a longer time washing your hair. Thing two, I think we're all feeling a little bit stuck right now. So don't feel bad if you can't do things. Don't feel like you have to achieve things. Like it's okay to give yourself permission to not be working at 100% right now.
1: And thing three, I've started recording one thing a day that I'm grateful for or happy about And that's also very good for your mood and helps you appreciate everything you do have going on in life rather than the things that we are missing.
0: Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye.
1: If you like this podcast,
0: please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcasts at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For
1: news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter.
0: You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, nonprofit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud. Or support us on Patreon at patreon.com misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until
1: next time, goodbye.